Hello. Welcome to the Myths and Legends of Europe. Thank you very much for listening to this 2018 re-release of a chapter originally released in my other podcast, The Myths and History of Greece and Rome. I do hope, for those who don't listen to my other podcast, that you're enjoying this series on Greek mythology. Before we start, I'd like to encourage you to go to www.mythandhistory.co.uk, which is my new website that covers both of my podcasts. It contains lots of interesting features and a blog, and I think you'll enjoy it. On the site, you'll find a donation button. This podcast, as with my other one, is and always will remain free, but any donations are very gratefully received. You can donate either a one-off amount, or you can donate monthly. There are gifts for anyone who donates, so please go to www.mythandhistory.co.uk to find out what they are. Okay, on with the chapter. Hello, welcome to the Myths and History of Ancient Greece. Chapter 21, Wrath, Rage and Recklessness. Agamemnon, King of Kings, went to bed very troubled after Achilles had refused to fight. In the morning, though, he woke up a lot happier. During the night, he had had a dream. Wise old Nestor had come to him in the dream and told Agamemnon to rise up. He informed the leader of the Greeks that the Olympians had decreed that if he went into battle against the Trojans the following day, then his army would be victorious. Agamemnon leapt out of bed as the sun rose and ordered his great army, minus the Myrmidons of course, to prepare for battle. Little did he know that Achilles had been complaining to his mummy, Thetis, about what Agamemnon had done. She had asked Zeus to send the dream to Agamemnon to fool him into rushing into battle. He was not going to be victorious that day. The Greeks marched out. The Trojans also marched out. They had heard that Achilles was refusing to do battle and were keen for a fight. The battle was about to start when something quite amazing happened. Paris, not normally known for his bravery, stepped out in front of the Trojan army. Listen, Greeks, he said, let's not lose any more men in battle. I will meet Menelaus in single combat. If he wins, then Helen will be returned and you can all go home. If I win, then Helen stays here and you can all go home. The war will be settled and nobody else will die. The Greeks and the Trojans all thought this was a great idea and they cheered and cheered. Menelaus stepped forward. He knew he was a much better fighter than Paris and was sure that he would win. I accept the challenge, he said boldly. Everyone agreed to abide by the result of the battle between the two men, and they all sat back to watch, safe in the knowledge they'd all be going home soon. Even Helen, who learned what was going on, came onto the walls to watch. The sad Queen of Sparta gazed out miserably, wishing she'd never been taken from her home and brought to Troy. Paris and Menelaus stood and faced each other, both dressed in heavy armour and both wielding magnificent spears. Paris struck first. He hurled his spear at the Spartan king. The aim was perfect, and the spear flew towards Menelaus, but he was too quick. He thrust his shield out, and the spear bounced off it harmlessly. He then threw his own weapon, and his aim was just as good. Paris managed to get his shield in the way, but Menelaus's throw was mighty, and the spear went through the shield and pierced Paris's best plate. He twisted away at the last moment, and the spear only wounded him. Menelaus laughed and charged at Paris, uttering a bloodthirsty, terrifying cry. He grabbed Paris by the crest of his helmet and dragged him towards the Greeks, who by now were cheering like England fans when they're 5-1 up against Germany. 
Paris was being slowly strangled by his helmet straps and could do nothing about it. Only divine intervention could save him now. Divine intervention saved him. Aphrodite stepped in and snapped the helmet straps. The helmet came off and Menelaus, off balance, fell over backwards. When he got up, all he could see was brave Paris very bravely running away as fast as he could. Paris ran back into Troy and hid himself in Helen's room. Menelaus, of course, declared that Paris had fled in fear and so he had won. Everyone agreed and both armies cheered wildly and jumped for joy. The war was over and everyone went home. Wait a minute, we're only in the fourth chapter about the Trojan War. Aren't there supposed to be nine? So no, everyone did not go home. They would have done, but for a terrible, treacherous Trojan by the name of Pandaros. He saw Menelaus marching up and down, shouting about how great he was, and laughing at Paris for running away. Something inside Pandarus snapped. He loaded his bow with an arrow and fired it. The arrow curved through the air and back towards the earth. Menelaus, who was busy being pleased with himself, only noticed at the last minute and tried to jump aside. He was just a little too late, though, and the arrow wounded him in his side. The Greeks were furious, and in their rage drew their arms and charged. There was a terrible, fierce battle. Men were killed and bodies were trodden on and stripped of anything valuable. Odysseus, Ajax and the rest stormed through the Trojans and killed loads of them. The war, which had seemed to be over, was very much not over. The Trojans fought back bravely and it was difficult to see who was winning. As the battle raged on outside Troy, brave Paris remained hidden in Helen's room. Most of Aphrodite's magic had worn off by now, and Helen raged at him, calling him a coward. She shouted that she wished he'd never brought her to Troy, and that he'd hurry up and die. Hector turned up to see what all the shouting was about. He joined Helen in calling Paris a coward. Paris hung his head in shame and agreed to go back to the battle. Reluctantly, he strapped his armour back on and left. Hector went to see his own wife before rejoining the fighting. The lovely Andromache was holding their little son, Astyanax. She saw her husband and began to cry. My dear Hector, she said, please don't go and fight today. I have a terrible fear that you will be killed. If you fall, Troy will fall. If Troy falls, the Greeks will surely sell me into slavery and kill our darling little son. Please stay here with us. Hector answered quietly, I know, my dear, I think about these things too, and they hurt me deep inside. I can't leave the battle, though. I am the champion of Troy. If I don't fight, then I'll never be able to hold my head up among the people of this great city. Troy may be doomed, and if it is, then so am I, so are you, and so are we all. But while there is a chance that we can win this war, I must fight on. The great man bent down gently and reached out to pick up a styanax. The little boy was frightened of this powerful figure in his fine armour and crested helmet, and he tried to hide. Hector laughed and took off his helmet so that his son recognised him. He lifted up a styanax and held him in the air. I pray to Zeus that you will eventually be king of Troy and a better man than me, he said smiling. The little boy giggled. Hector kissed his son softly, dropped him in his arms and then handed him back to Andromache. Hector looked into his wife's eyes and said firmly, No man can escape his fate, whether he is a coward or a hero. If I am to die, then I will die. He began to walk away and returned to the battle. As he reached the door, he turned and looked back. Hector smiled a broad smile at his wife and little boy and left the room. He never saw either of them again.
Meanwhile, on the battlefield, it was one of the Greek heroes who turned the tide of the fighting. With no thought for his own safety, Diomedes leapt recklessly into battle. Hordes of Trojans were swept away by the sword of the Greek warrior king. He was wounded in the shoulder by an arrow shot by Pandarus, but he just pulled out the arrow, ignored the pain, and carried on fighting. He killed Pandaros and then fought with Aeneas. He would have killed the son of Aphrodite too, but Aphrodite again stepped in and saved Aeneas. Diomedes then came across Ares fighting on the Trojan side and managed to wound the immortal war god. When a battle is fought between two great armies, it can swing one way and then the other. Often it is the supreme efforts of one man or one small part of an army that changes the way a battle is going. Diomedes' heroics turned the battle the Greeks' way. It was going to take a great hero to turn it back. Hector stormed out of Troy and rejoined the conflict. He felt invincible and dived into the middle of the battle, swinging his sword bravely. He killed many Greeks, and the rest of the Trojan army took heart. They fought even more fiercely, and the Greeks fell back. At the height of the fighting, Hector cried out, Come on, Greeks! Whichever of you is bravest and strongest, come and do battle with me. I am not Paris, I am Hector, and Hector will not run away. Hector was hoping that Achilles would rise to the challenge, but he was still sulking in his camp and refusing to fight. Many of the Greek heroes stepped forward and offered to do battle with the great Hector. They must have had some battle madness, as it was clear that Hector could beat most of them, but they came forward anyway. Agamemnon, Diomedes, Ajax and Odysseus, and many more were desperate to show what they could do against the strongest of the Trojans, and they began to squabble over who would be chosen. Wise old Nestor came up with a solution. The names were put into a helmet, and a single name was drawn out. The Greeks chattered nervously and expectantly as they waited to find out who would fight Hector. Nestor put his hand into the helmet and drew out the name. The challenger would be the great Ajax. The biggest man among the Greeks and the second best warrior, Ajax, stepped forward. His armour was shining bronze, his sword was massive and his face was fierce. If any one of the Greeks could stand up to Hector, it was Ajax. OK, Hector, come and fight me if you dare, said Ajax menacingly. The two men dived at each other, both swinging their mighty swords and thrusting their spears. The two armies watched in amazement as hundreds of blows were struck by each of them. The great warriors never seemed to get tired. Again and again they hit each other, but every swing of the sword was met by a shield. Neither man managed to wound the other. The fight went on for what seemed like hours, until it began to get dark. When there wasn't enough life, light left to fight, a truce was called. The two heroes looked at each other in awe. They shook hands and exchanged gifts to show their respect. Hector gave Ajax a shining sword, and Ajax gave Hector a fine belt. Both withdrew to their camps. The Greeks spent the night building a wall and a ditch to protect their ships from attack. In the morning the battle continued as if it had never stopped. The Trojans and Greeks fought wildly, and many more on both sides were killed. By the end of the day, the Greeks had been driven back behind their wall. The Trojans sang and cheered. They set up camp on the plains and didn't go back to the city. They were confident that next day would bring victory. The Greek heroes were worried and scared. Agamemnon stood up and made a speech. Listen, he said, it is clear that Zeus does not want us to win and we will never take Troy. Let's all go home and forget about this war. We have our ships, let's go before the Trojans burn them all. The other leaders were furious. Diomedes stood up, his face filled with rage, and shouted at Agamemnon. 
Go home if you like, coward king. I, for one, will stay and fight. We've been here more than nine years, and I am not giving up now. The other leaders clapped and whistled. Nestor stepped forward and said that they must stay. The wise Argonaut spoke clearly and carefully. Noble Agamemnon, king of men, this is your fault. We probably would have won by now if you hadn't taken that servant girl from Achilles. We will not win without him. Go and say sorry and give the girl back and do it right now. Offer him whatever he wants if he will return to the battle. Agamemnon knew that Nestor was right. He sent Ajax and Odysseus off with a message. Achilles could have Briseis and loads of presents. He could also have his choice of Agamemnon's daughters as his wife. He could have it all if he returned to the battle. Surely Achilles would say yes. Achilles said no. Worse than that, he said he would sail home in the morning and leave the rest of them to it. This, quite clearly, was not good. Agamemnon wept when he heard the news, but Nestor told him to get a grip. The leader of the Greeks realised he must lead and lead well. He asked if any of the men were brave enough to go, dressed as Trojans, into the Trojan camp and do some spying. He needed to know what the Trojan plans would be, so that he would know how best to fight the next day's battle. Odysseus and Diomedes stepped forward. The Trojans had the same idea. A man named Dolon offered to go and spy on the Greeks in return for splendid gifts as a reward. Dolon went out into the dark night. The two spying parties met each other as they crossed the land between the rival camps. Odysseus saw Dolon coming, and he and Diomedes hid among the dead warriors on the battlefield. They pretended to be dead, and Dolon did not notice them. He walked straight past them. As soon as he'd gone past, Odysseus and Diomedes sprang up and grabbed him. Dolon was not a brave man, and trembling with fear, he immediately pleaded for his life. Don't kill me! My father is a very rich man, and will pay a big wad of cash as a ransom. I can tell you the Trojan plans. Surely a fat sack of cash and some useful information is enough for you to let me live. Odysseus agreed, and Dolon told them everything he knew. King Rhesus has just arrived from Thrace with his magnificent white horses and thousands of fighting men. They will fight for Troy. There is a prophecy that Troy cannot fall once these white horses have entered the city. You should steal them. Now you have what you need. Just do what I say and get the ransom from my father and then I can go free. Diomedes looked at the Trojan. I don't think so, he said, and swung his sword and cut off Dolon's head. Odysseus and Diomedes crept off to the camp of King Rhesus and took the Thracians by surprise. Diomedes killed Rhesus and many of his men while they slept and then the two Greeks stole the horses. Odysseus tricked the rest of the Thracians into following him back to the Greek camp, where they were slaughtered by the guards on the wall. All in all, it was a good night's work for Odysseus and Diomedes. In the morning, though, things still looked bad. The Trojans attacked with all their strength, mightily annoyed about what had happened to King Rhesus and his men. Ajax led the Greeks onto the field, and one of the fiercest battles ever known was fought. The Greeks started well and pushed the Trojans back but the Trojans just fought harder. Hector directed them from behind, showing what a great leader he was. Up in Olympus, the gods meddled. Zeus wanted the Trojans to come out on top in the day's fighting, but Hera distracted him, and Poseidon went down to the earth to help the Greeks. Zeus found out what was going on, and ordered his brother to leave the battlefield. Apollo appeared, and began to help the Trojans. 
While the gods interfered, the men fought on. Agamemnon forgot all about being a bit of a coward and flung himself into the action. He led his men in the fiercest of the fighting and forced the Trojans to flee almost back to Troy. Hector was not going to allow his men to retreat any further and he turned round and spoke mighty words. Then he charged again and Agamemnon was wounded by a spear. He had to be carried to a ship to recover. The Trojans took heart from the injury to the Greek leader and thrust forward yet again. The Greeks fled back to their camp. Back at the camp, Odysseus and Diomedes fought bravely while the rest of the Greek army reorganised. Hector led another charge, but Diomedes flung a spear and knocked him off his horse. Hector was also carried off the field to recover. Paris hit Diomedes in the foot with an arrow and he was out for the day too. Odysseus fought on, killing many Trojans, but then he too was wounded and was carried off the field by Ajax and Menelaus. Ajax fought off the Trojans while the wounded kings held a conference by the ships. Agamemnon wanted to wait until night came and then sail away, but Odysseus argued crossly. You are leading the army of the Greeks, he said, not a band of common cowards. Agamemnon was shamed once more, and the battle carried on. Eventually Hector recovered, and he, Paris and Aeneas led the Trojans on a last charge. The Greeks fled towards their ships while Hector urged the Trojans to burn as many Greek boats as possible. The Greek ships were in grave danger. Now, do you remember what Achilles had said? Do you remember when he said he would fight? Yes, he said he would fight only if his Myrmidon ships were in danger. Unfortunately for the Greeks, Achilles and the Myrmidons and their ships were a long way back and not in any danger at all. Patroclus, seeing that it was all go going very badly for the Greeks, went to see his cousin and begged Achilles to enter the battle. Achilles was sorry and ashamed that he had refused to fight, but he wouldn't break his oath. Patroclus begged and begged, but he refused, so Patroclus came up with an idea. Let me wear your armour and I will fight, he pleaded. The Trojans will think it's you and they'll be scared. Achilles agreed. By now, even the great Ajax was beginning to tire. Hector attacked him and broke his spear, then the Trojans set fire to his ship. It seemed that all was lost until a great cry of fear was heard from within the Trojan forces. Achilles the Invincible is here! It wasn't Achilles, of course, but the effect was as if it had been. Patroclus stormed in and led the whole Greek army in a tremendous charge against the Trojans. They fled. Patroclus pursued the Trojans to the walls of Troy, killing and slaughtering as he went. He nearly managed to lead the Greeks into the city, but Hector appeared on his chariot. Patroclus threw a rock at him, but only managed to kill the charioteer. The two heroes fought and fought, even though Patroclus had lost his helmet and was weary and injured. Eventually, as the sun went down, he launched himself at Hector. The Trojan was ready for him, though, and Patroclus fell to the ground, mortally wounded by Hector's spear. Hector stood over the dying Patroclus. The Greek hero looked up at Hector. I am dying, but do not be too pleased with yourself, he said. It is my turn to die today, but you do not have long to live either. The great Achilles will kill you soon. Patroclus died. Achilles, back in his camp, heard the news and cried. He climbed up onto the wall the Greek forces had built and cried out a deafening war cry that all could hear. The Trojans were momentarily stunned by the cry, and while they looked around to see what it was, Ajax and Odysseus rescued the body of Patroclus so that it could be buried. The armour, though, was gone. The magical armour made by Hephaestus was in Trojan hands. The armour was, 
at that moment being put on by Hector himself. Achilles and Hector returned to their camps. Achilles swore that he'd kill Hector in vengeance for his cousin. Hector swore that he'd slay Achilles. Only one of them could be right. As night fell, everyone knew it wouldn't be long before they found out which one it would be. Next week, we'll find out which one it will be. Until then, have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time.